Hello, and welcome to Wenatchee in the Word, a podcast ministry of Ridgepoint Baptist Church. Our purpose is to help each one of us grow more in love with God by studying and meditating on His Word. We're glad you've joined us today. Now, let's see what the Bible has to say. Welcome back to Wenatchee in the Word. We are here in Judges chapter 11, finishing out the rest of the chapter with Jephthah. And if you remember, um, in the last episode, we, we said he defended Israel first with his words. And we always do this where we end up recording the episode, and then afterward, I think of something awesome to go along with it. And I was pretty proud of what I came up with after, so I just got to yeah, share it. but I don't know about no, no, awesome. No, it probably n- isn't the right word. It's not that. embarrassing. It was awesome. He basically said, this land's not your land. This land is my land. From the coast of the Amorites Mm-mm. to the wilderness of Jordan. Right? Mm-mm. Yeah? It no. w- I thought that was <laughs> pretty good. You did. Whatever. Only you're the only <laughs> Anyways... One. He goes on to say, we didn't fight you for this land. You never contested us about this land. None of the previous kings contested us for this land. So it's not your land. And the king of the Ammonites disregarded everything you said. That's where we left off. Then verse number 29 is where we're going to pick it up today. All the way to the end of the chapter. Go ahead and start reading verse 29. Let me get there. Okay. So... Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and Manasseh, and passed over Mizpah of Gilead. From Mizpah of Gilead he passed over unto the children of Ammon. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord, and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands, then it shall be that what whatsoever cometh forth out of uh, cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them, and the children, excuse me, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Arar, <laughs> even till thou come to Minith, even twenty cities, and unto the plain of the vineyards, with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. Okay, so we see that he has the victory. He took over 20 cities and all the way to the plain of the vineyards over a couple of different people um, in diff- different areas. And then uh, it says they had great slaughter. So just over and over it's saying this is a big victory for Jephthah. It's interesting, though, before he goes into battle, it says he vowed a vow. He ends up just throwing up this vow, this promise to the Lord that says, If you give us the victory, the first thing that walks out of my house when I get back home from all this fighting, I will offer it as a burnt offering to you, God. Which already just seems weird to me. It's like, it doesn't sound like a promise that is thought through, if that makes sense. To me, it would just make sense to say, Lord, if you give us the victory, when we get back, I'm going to worship you. We're going we're gonna to set up a burnt offering. But he specifically says, the first thing that walks out, that's what I'm going to offer as a burnt offering. Yeah, like maybe if he said, the first thing that walked out of my barn. <laughs> like, it could have been a little more specific, but he was talking about his house. Yeah, so. either, either he 
was which I I think mostly he just didn't think through what he was saying. Yeah. But either that or in his mind, there's normally a thing that comes out to see him. Maybe it was his pet goat that his is dog. his yeah. Well, that <laughs> but you think he'd love him? He wouldn't want to sacrifice. Him. But yeah, for what for know. whatever reason, that's exactly what he says. Yeah. Then verse thirty four says, "He came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold." His daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances, and she was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. So the first thing that walks out, his only child, his daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low, and thou art one of them that trouble me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. As if it was her fault. <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> oh, you bring me. So I can't much believe sorrow. you brought no, you me brought this sorrow. sorrow. Yeah, but he says, well, she says to him, my father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which thou that hath proceeded out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. Yeah, she seems to be a little more. S- spiritual than her dad (laughs) she says whatever you said dad you promised it to god and he gave you the victory over the enemy so do it whatever it is you have to do and so then she says let this thing be done for me so i ask one thing before whatever you have to do to me is done that i may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity and i i and my fellows And he said, go, and he sent her away for two months, and she went with her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months, she returned unto her father, who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed, and she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days in a year. So what we just saw unfold is the daughter walks out, first thing that walks out, and he's brokenhearted over the fact that he's said, whatever is the first thing that walks out, I'll give it as a burnt offering. And it's his daughter. And she says, whatever you have to do, do it to me. But before you do that to me, can I go and mourn with my friends that I will never know a man, never have children? That Can I go and mourn and do that? She does for two months, comes back, and then... It says, he did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed, and she knew no man. So she was a virgin for the rest of her life. And then yearly, the daughters of Israel went and lamented whatever took place with her. Now, just kind of a side note that we've talked about a little bit, and what what some people would contest. I don't think it's necessarily some either thing that we can be dogmatic about, but did did he sacrifice his daughter as a burnt offering? Some would say no, and my gut instinct tells me no, because God was very explicit in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, and I believe also once in Joshua, but I, I know for sure Deuteronomy 12, Deuteronomy 18, God said, you will not worship me like, like they worship the false gods by sacrificing your children or by giving your children onto the fire. So because of that, I lean toward the fact God would never have required him to fulfill this vow and worship to him because it went completely against some of the commandments that God had given the nation of Israel. However, 
She said, whatever, whatever has to be done, it has to be done. And then it says, he did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And what he vowed was that he would give the first thing that walked out as a burnt offering. And we're living in the time of the judges where people are doing some pretty crazy things. I mean, in just about five or six chapters, we're going to see one of the craziest stories I know in the Bible take place. So I wouldn't put it past the fact that maybe he did. Although my gut tells me he didn't, he probably gave her up as sacrifice to the temple in order that she never knew a man, and for her whole life he never saw her again, and he never had grandkids. I think I want to believe that, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think I do. I think, I think he did sacrifice her. Not that it matters either way. He what he did was wrong. Um, I don't. Th- obviously, God did not say tell him to do that, but I think he felt obligated, even though it was against what God had said. Um, but yeah, we'll never know until we get to heaven. Yeah, like I said, we can't be dogmatic either way. However, we can know this. Our words matter. That's really where we're going to get to in today's episode is we shouldn't just make rash decisions or rash promises to anyone, but especially not to God. I mean, if again, it was like a, it was kind of a weird promise to begin with it seems on the onset, but he said this to God and it was a promise he made to God. And we should not be flippant at all with our words, with our promises, and especially with our vows to the Lord. I mean, I think of other people in Scripture that just kind of made a promise rashly, and they ended up regretting it later. I think of, uh, the one I think of is Herod Antipas in the New Testament. He ends up promising, uh, I think it's his stepdaughter, ends up promising her um, anything because he was uh, aroused by the fact that she had danced for him and all of the other people there. He said, whatever you want. And she said, under the direction of her mother, I want the head of John the Baptist. And it says that Herod Antipas was was grieved at this. He, he regretted speaking out of turn there. Can you think of any other places that someone made a rash decision? Um, Saul, Saul did the same thing, like similar to what Jephthah did with... Um his own son, um, he said that if whoever um, ate before evening... Oh, yeah, King Saul. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, I can't remember the details. But what, do you remember? They were, on a, they were traveling, and King Saul ended up saying, anyone who eats before evening is going to die. Yeah, and we're Jonathan never heard. in this heard, together. He didn't know. Yeah, his son Jonathan never heard that command, ended up eating honey, I believe, and then he was going to kill him if if their soldiers hadn't intervened in it in the situation. I mean, and Saul knew what God did not, you know, want him to sacrifice people, humans. So I don't know. I think it was just a rash decision by yeah. by King Saul. And, and I I think of even there's there's plenty of scriptures that tell us that we shouldn't be rash with our decisions and especially with our promises, our words and our promises to God. I think of um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 when it tells us that we shouldn't be rash with our mouth and that we shouldn't utter anything hastily to God because he's in heaven 
and we are on earth. And later in that same chapter, it ends up saying that it's better not to vow at all than to vow and then to not pay our vow and and follow through with what we vowed. And then I think of in the book of James, James chapter number five, he says, uh, let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Basically saying this, what you say should be, what you say should be what takes place. Yeah, so if you can't follow through with it, then you shouldn't say it. Our words matter. They truly do. And shame on us if we say something, and I'm speaking to myself here when I say this too. I'm not just saying shame on you, but shame on us. When I say something like, hey, babe, I'm going to take out the trash later today, and I don't. Shame on me because yeah, shame on you. <laughs> because my mouth said something. You got any more examples? I hastily. Love to hear all of them. <laughs> and and I didn't follow through with what I said. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. We as Christians should be people that follow through with what we say and we should be c- accountable to what we say because what we say matters. Yeah, and we are, you know, we as Christians are representatives of Christ and if we're not follow through following through on even just like things that you say to other people at church like oh hey i am guilty of this like hey you know um i'll I'll get that info to you sometime this week i'll text you or whatever something as simple as that but like and then you don't because you forgot and then you don't again because like (laughs) you know it's just even stuff like that that's a good reminder to just be on top of of the things that you say even if they seem insignificant that might be significant to that person. And then, you know, if you're consistently doing that, they think this person is even reliable, you know, and what they're saying doesn't matter. So why should I trust them? And then that could lead to them not trusting other Christians or whatever. I don't know. That that might have been silly. No, and that it's true. But even more so, I think, and this is where we want to get to, even more so with God. Even more so with God. When we say something before God, we need to fulfill what we promise to God. When we say, God, I promise that I am going to do this. Uh, we make a commitment to the Lord. It, it should be something that we take seriously. We need to be abundantly cautious when we make commitments to God because God takes it very seriously. And, and it's very clear in Ecclesiastes 5 and in James and other places— God takes that seriously. And there are plenty of examples of people that they made a decision to God, made a commitment. I'm thinking of Hannah. She made a commitment to the Lord that said this, Lord, give me a son. This is what I desire. Give me a son. And when you do, I will give him back to you for service. And she did just that. That would have been really easy for her to say, oh, (laughs) Well, I didn't actually think he was going to do it. And now that he has, now that I've gotten my son, I don't I don't want to do that. Like, I think we do that a lot of times. We just make commitments or rash decisions just to make them. And then when we don't think God's going to actually come through and then he does, we're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But it's better if we don't say anything at all. And then when God does answer our our heart's prayer maybe and and we haven't made any you know necessary necessarily a commitment then we could say hey god i'm gonna i'm gonna do this because you've been so generous to me in in that way or whatever yeah i even think of um another one i'm thinking of is job 
when Job said, I will not rebel against God. Eventually, he ended up seeing all of his fortunes restored because of his faithfulness. But it it all just really goes to remind us of this. Our words matter. Our words mean something. So what we say, we should follow through with. Even as small as a little, hey, I'll do that for you to a person. And then on a larger scale, we need to make sure that we're serious and we're taking it serious when we commit something to the Lord. So how about we learn from Jephthah that our words matter and that what we um, commit, we should keep. Amen. Let's keep it. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Uh, We look forward to continuing into the next chapter next week with you. And so we'll see you on the next episode. Have a great day in the Lord. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and subscribe to it or share it with your friends. You can hit that share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media. And if you're from the Wenatchee area, we'd love to see you at Ridgepoint sometime. Find out more about our ministry at WenatcheeChurch.com. Thanks again for listening. God bless.